Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. It is the week of Pentecost. Um, very, very, very magnificent start of the church. And that started 2,000 years ago on the Jewish feast of Pentecost, also Shavuot. Shavuot is the plural for weeks. Um, it was their harvest. And um, God instructed all the Jewish people to be in Jerusalem for three feasts of the year, for Passover, Pesach, for Shavuot, which is Pentecost in the Greek, meaning 50, because it happened 50 days after Passover, and finally for the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, And so all the Jewish people, which included many proselytes, many Gentiles that had converted to Judaism, to the only God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, And there they were in Jerusalem when our Lord uh, fulfilled his promise to his disciples. He said, if I do not go, the paraclete, um, the comforter, uh, will not come. And he did come. Uh, Our Lord ascended 40 days, um, excuse me, 40 days after the Passover, um, his death and resurrection. He ascended to heaven and 10 more days Uh, He poured out his Holy Spirit coming from the Father and the Son unto all those thousands of people in Jerusalem. And what was celebrated, what was being celebrated, not only as the the harvest and the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, but also the uh, rejoicing over the law that God gave to Moses in um, on uh, at the foot of Mount Sinai. 1,500 years before Pentecost, before the Pentecost that was, in addition to the Feast of Weeks, it was the celebration of the birth of Judaism, which was the rejoicing over the law, Simchus Torah, um, the law given to Moses, uh, to the Israelite people through Moses on Mount Sinai. And every year during the Feast of Weeks, they celebrated the birthday of Judaism at Mount Sinai. So it was now on the birthday of Judaism and the Feast of Weeks where all the Jewish people would be in Jerusalem um, that God used that birthday of Judaism to pour out his Holy Spirit on all those Jews in Jerusalem. And it became the birthday of the church. And the church is Judaism fulfilled in its Messiah spread to the four corners of the earth to take in every people, tongue, and tribe. And that's what we celebrated this past Sunday, and we have, in the extraordinary form, a first-class octave. So this entire week, every day is first-class, except for tomorrow, which begin the ember days of of this season, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, which... Um, are um, partial abstinence and fasting and still the celebration 
but partial abstinence and fasting in gratitude for our harvest and all that God has done for us. So we've been reading, we left off yesterday, right in the middle of a magnificent article by Abbot Dom Garanger, Dom Prosper Garanger, um, the Benedictine Abbot of Salem, 200 years back, um, and it is magnificent on the Feast of Pentecost. Um, and he says that Jerusalem is filled with pilgrims. I'm going to start somewhere down. Jerusalem is filled with pilgrims who have flocked thither from every country of the Gentile world. They feel a strange, mysterious expectation working in their souls. They are Jews and have come from every foreign land where Israel has founded a synagogue. They have come to keep the feasts of Pasch and Pentecost, from Asia, Africa, and Rome, have their representatives there. Amidst these Jews, properly so called, are to be seen many Gentiles who, from a desire to serve God more faithfully, have embraced the Mosaic law and observances. They are called proselytes. This influx of strangers who have come to Jerusalem out of a desire to observe the law gives the city a Babel-like appearance, for each nation has its own language. They are not, however, under the influence of pride and prejudice, as are the inhabitants of Judea. Neither have they, like these latter, known and rejected the Messiah, nor blasphemed his works, whereby he gave testimony of his divine character. It may be that they took part with the other Jews in clamoring for Jesus' death, but they were led to it by the chief priests and magistrates of the Jerusalem, which they reverenced as the holy city of God, and to which nothing but religious motives have brought them. It is the hour of tears, that's about nine in the morning, the third hour of the day, fixed from all eternity for the accomplishment of a divine decree. It was at the hour of midnight that the Father sent this world, sent into this world. At this hour of tears, oh, I'm sorry, that, let, me, let me repeat that. It was at the hour of midnight that the Father sent into this world that he might take flesh in Mary's womb, the Son eternally begotten of himself. So now, at this hour of tears, the Father and the Son send upon the earth the Holy Spirit who proceeds from them both. He is sent to form the church, the bride and the kingdom of Christ. He is to assist and maintain her. He is to save and sanctify the souls of men. And this, his mission, is to continue to the end of time. And I'll just take a little aside, dear ones, to say that it is true to this day. The mission of the Holy Spirit, as with the Father and the Son, will not be done through all eternity. He is to establish his kingdom, and he's come to save souls that we might live with him through all eternity in heaven. And it was the magnificent, um, I almost want to say debut of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been with us as long as God is here. The Holy Spirit is God. In the beginning was God. He didn't become. He wasn't made. He wasn't created. He always existed. And someone says, well, when did he start? He never started. How could somebody exist always? Because he's God. Well, someone had to make God. No, if someone made God, then that someone would be God. 
God always existed. Very difficult for our finite minds. We only know beginning and end, but we don't understand living outside of time. We don't understand creating the whole world or that the fact that we always existed, which we did not, but God did. And so the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Jewish people in the Old Testament did not understand the triune nature of God, that he was one God in three persons when he said, uh, let us make man in our image. Who was he talking to? He wasn't talking, some people say the angels, but no, 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 no. We're not made in the image of the angels. That God was speaking to himself. Uh, three persons within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Son was revealed at the Incarnation, and the Spirit at Pentecost. Now that we know of the Trinity, the tri-unity of God, three persons, not one God who becomes, who acts in three persons, that's a heresy called modality, but three divine persons. The Father is a person and God. The Son is a person and God. And the Holy Spirit is a person and God. And the Father is not greater than the Son. The Son's not greater than the Father or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not great. They are equal, equally God and have all the attributes of God. But again, Pentecost was the revelation of the third person of the Blessed Trinity. And Dom Garanjay continues here. <clears throat> Suddenly is heard, coming from heaven, the sound of a violent wind. It startles the people in the city. It fills the cynical with its mighty breath. A crowd is soon round the house that stands on Mount Zion. The 120 disciples that are within the building feel that mysterious emotion within them of which their master once said, The Spirit breatheth where he will, and thou hearest his voice. Like that strange, invisible creature which probes the very depth of the sea and makes the waves heave mountains high, this breath, capital B, this breath from heaven will traverse the world from end to end, breaking down every barrier that would stay its course. The holy assembly have been days in fervent expectation. The divine spirit gives them this warning of his coming, and they, in the passiveness of ecstatic longing, await his will. As to those who are outside the cynical and who have responded to the appeal thus given, let us, for the moment, forget them. Well, put them aside. A silent shower falls in the house. It is a shower of fire, which, as Holy Church says, burns not but enlightens, consumes not but shines. Flakes of fire, in the shape of tongues, rest on the heads of the 120 disciples. It is the Holy Ghost taking possession of all and each. The church is now not only in Mary, but also in these 120 disciples. All belong now to the Spirit that has descended upon them. His kingdom is begun. It is manifested. Its conquests will be speedy and glorious. There's the music, dear ones, for our first break. We'll be right back after the break and you are welcome to call in or email or text with anything on your heart. We'll
Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I discovered the Station of the Cross rather providentially a year ago. I've been a loyal listener ever since. I can't overestimate the value of the station when it's made a difference in my life in terms of making me better informed Catholic. It has enriched my faith and sold me during tough times. It made me laugh on several occasions. I commend the important work of this great apostolate. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I listen to the radio. And if I can listen to something that brings me closer to God, closer to Jesus Christ, then it's the most beautiful thing. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the iCatholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the station of the for more information as a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. You are welcome to call in through this entire hour with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or to email at mother at We're in the middle of an article by Don Prosper Garanger, who wrote 200 years ago, um, the abbot of Salem in France, who restored Gregorian chant to France and Europe, and um, also the Benedictine Order at St. Peter's in Salem. And he, his writings are beautiful. I'm taking this from his 15-volume liturgical year set. Um, and it's printed online. Anybody is able to go to it if, if you have a computer, if you have the Internet. And um, he's just spoken about um, the... Uh, fire in the shape of tongues coming down on the heads of the 120 disciples. It is the Holy Ghost taking possession of all and each. The church is now not only in Mary, but also in these 120 disciples. All belong now to the Spirit that has descended upon them. His kingdom is begun. It is manifest. Its conquests will be speedy and glorious. But let us consider, he says, the symbol chosen to designate this divine change. He who showed himself 
under the endearing form of a dove on the occasion of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan now appears under that of fire. He is the spirit of love, and love is not only gentle and tender, it is also ardent as fire. Now, therefore, that the world is under the influence of the Holy Ghost, it must must needs be on fire, and the fire shall not be checked. <clears throat> and why this, why this form of tongues? To show that the heavenly fire is to be spread by the word, by speech. These hundred and twenty disciples need but to speak of the Son of God, made man, and our Redeemer, of the Holy Ghost, who renews our souls, of the Heavenly Father, who loves and adopts us as his children. Their word will find thousands to believe and welcome it. Those that receive it shall be all united in one faith. They shall be called the Catholic Church, that is one, universal, existing in all places and times. Jesus had said, go teach all nations. And beloved, when our Lord is speaking of nations, he's not speaking of geographic boundaries, but people groups, ethnic groups. The Holy Ghost brings from heaven both the tongue that is to teach and the fire, which is the love of God and of mankind, which is to give warmth and efficacy to the teaching. The tongue and the fire are now given to these first disciples, who by the assistance of the Holy Spirit will transmit them to others. So it will be to the end of time. A little aside here, dear ones, I can't help thinking how beautiful this is and how absolutely opposite things are in the church today. Um, uh, the faith uh, is not being transmitted to others. It is being absolutely destroyed. No one outside the church can destroy the church. No one inside the church can res- destroy the church, dear ones, whatever the, has happening in the world. All the atrocities. Um, all that the Holy Father is doing to destroy the church in appointing um, cardinals and bishops that do not believe the Catholic faith, that believe every immoral atrocity. And he's appointing them to high positions. But do not fear. The Pope is not in charge of the church. It is not his church. It is not his church to do with what he wills, even though he's doing what he wants. And by God's providence not being stopped, the church is God's church. And he is on his throne. He has never left. Why he's allowing what he is, it's not news. It's been prophesied from all eternity. The scriptures speak about men's hearts growing cold, um, uh, greedy, and the end times apostasy, the faith will be lost. The scriptures speak of that. Our Lady has made many appearances speaking of that. And so we should not be surprised. Um, I, I personally have to tell you that I'm quite astounded at each new appointment of every new bishop and cardinal. It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable what's, what the Holy Father is doing to destroy the sheep and the faith and the church from within. But nobody will destroy the church. Nobody will destroy the church. Our Lord said he will send the Holy Spirit to teach the truth 
in and to bring the church into all truth till the end of time and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So whatever disasters occur, just keep those words in mind. Our God is, God is in control. It's, it's his perfect wisdom that allows these things. And if you read uh, Romans chapter 1, you see that God's spirit will not always strive with man. And when he removes his spirit, man does what his natural, fallen, abominable uh, nature will do. Every type of atrocity and error, that's what's happening. What do we do? We know our faith. We learn our faith. We double back and go through the Baltimore Catechism again. Go through the Catechism. It's of Trent explained. Um, those are the resources we use here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. Is the current Catechism um, promulgated through John Paul II and, and such? Is that not good? It's absolutely fine. Is it absolutely infallible? No, it's not an infallible do- document. It it does describe the truth of the church, um, but it was put together not by a doctrinal council of Vatican II. Vatican II was pastoral to supposedly bring the church up to modern times, and in doing so, um, it it much 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 was destroyed and distorted. The world is not to be formed, the church is not to be formed by the world. The world is to be formed by the church. And we need to do that. Not to cower, not to believe every wind of doctrine, as the first chapter of James says, uh, not to be tossed to and fro. We need to know our faith. And if we don't, go get the catechism explained by Reverend Sparago. Go get the Baltimore Catechism, simple questions and answers. Nothing has changed that you will read in that little Baltimore Catechism. Not one word has changed. It's what our Lord said. Not a dot or tittle will change and will uh, disappear from the law until all is fulfilled. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, which is what he did. Learn your faith, beloved. Teach it to your children. And by all means, by any means, get them out of the schools. Get them out of the schools. And again, if they're going to a Catholic public school, get them out. If you send your children to the public school, it's not the teachers and the schools and the books that are ruining them. It is you by sending them into the fire. Get them out. And if you, um, if you say, well, I can't afford a private school, doesn't matter. Get them home with you and teach them the faith at night. Sit with them and go through the faith. That's what they need. And get a good homeschool program, and and you'll be able to handle it. You'll be able to give up all your private joys and pleasures and save the souls of your children and your own soul. <clears throat> Dom Geringer continues here that an obstacle, however, opposes the mission at the very outset. Since the confusion of Babel there have been as many languages as countries. Communication by word has been interrupted. Remember at Babel, Genesis chapter 11, when people thought, uh, the nations thought nothing was impossible for them. They could reach heaven by them, themselves. They built the tower and they all understood each other's language. They all spoke one language. 
and God came down and confused their languages so they couldn't understand the person standing next to them. And it was, the, the plan was foiled, and they were totally dispersed. And this is the reverse of that. When they came together in Jerusalem, they were from all different areas. Even though Jews or converts to Judaism, they were from all different nations, spoke different languages. But here they are in Jerusalem. And Dom Garanger says, since the confusion at Babel, there have been as many languages as countries. Communication by word has been interrupted. How then is the word to become the instrument of the world's conquest? and to make one family out of all these nations that cannot understand each other. Fear not, he says. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful and has provided for this difficulty with the other gifts wherewith he has enriched the 120 disciples. He has given them that of understanding of all languages and of making themselves understood in every language in a transport of holy enthusiasm, they attempt to speak the languages of all nations. Their tongue and their ear take in, not only without effort, but even with charm and joy, this plenitude of word and speech, which is to reunite mankind altogether. So here you come to America, and we speak English, and you speak German, and We don't speak German and you don't speak English, but we're speaking English and you understand it in German. And you're speaking German and we understand it in English. It's a supernatural miracle. That's the real gift of tongues. If it's not understood, it's useless. Um, The spirit of love has annulled the separation of Babel. Men are once more made brethren by the unity of language. How beautiful art thou, dear church of our God. Heretofore, the workings of the Holy Ghost have been limited, but now he breatheth freely where he willeth. He brings thee forth to the eyes of men by this stupendous prodigy. Thou art the image of what this earth was when all its inhabitants spoke the same language. The prodigy is not to cease with the day of Pentecost, nor with the disciples who are its first receivers. When the apostles have terminated their lives in preaching, the gift of tongues, at least in its miraculous form, will cease, because no longer needed. But thou, O Church of Christ, wilt continue to speak all languages, even to the end of time, for thou art to dwell in every clime. The one same faith is to be expressed in the language of every country and thus transformed. The miracle of Pentecost is to be kept up forever within thee as one of thy characteristic marks. Many people believe that the gift of tongues continues to this day. Um, uh, What Paul has spoken in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 but he said, if I speak the tongues and have the gift of miracles and all of that, what does that amount to me if I don't have love? Without love, there's gonging clangs. And he said, if anyone has the gift of tongues, it is not to be spoken in public unless someone is there and has the gift of interpretation so that that gift can be understood. That is biblical. 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. 
There is the music for our second break, beloved. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexual We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship, we implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult, we implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center, prays the Liturgy of the Hours each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. Nestled in a peaceful, rustic setting, it's the perfect place to converse with God and discern His will for your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is open to the public and can be booked by individuals or groups for retreats. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. To book a visit or learn more, visit liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And um, I, I want to repeat that you can call in uh, to this program from now on during the full hour. You don't have to wait till the second half, but we are at the second half. We have a whole half hour still to ourselves, and our lines are open, and I'd be very happy for your calls. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at and you can text at the toll-free number as well. Um, I'm just uh, want to give you a reminder here of the Men's March taking place um, June 11th, four days from now, in Tallahassee, Florida. And um, for more information and updates on that, you can text Men's March in quotes, all caps, one word, Men's March um, to the number 22828. I'm reading this. I don't understand how those things happen. I don't do that on my phone. But Men's March, and you can text to 22828 and get more information on that. And I've seen some pictures of fathers marching with their young sons, all in suits and ties. It's such a glorious, glorious situation. 
let me just see here. Um, we have um, we have a, a message on Facebook from Ursula, but um, it, well, it sure it's about the vaccine and and the um, religious exemption. Which I think most most of the vaccine mandates have been lifted now, but I think not all. So Ursula writes, "Dearest Mother Miriam, why would certain archdioceses refuse to sign religious exemptions for mandatory mandatory shots for people to keep their jobs when it can go against a Catholic's conscience and rights?" There's no answer to that, Ursula, except for the evil that's happening in this day. I have no idea why a Catholic diocese would not sign a religious exemption. I, ha- I have no idea. Um, but I also know those, many have had religious exemptions signed, and um, their employees could care less about that. They still won't accept it. Ursula says it needs to be voluntary, yes, but instead puts an individual at more health risk in taking the shot while also using fetal tissue obtained from abortions in testing or manufacturing. Um, She said, I heard that people working at the Vatican of all places were let go from their jobs. Yes, they were. That's like throwing their own flock of Catholics under the bus. Shame on them. Well, that's exactly what's happening. It's The church is throwing their own people under the bus now by coming against the, the mass of the ages, the mass of all times, uh, by shutting down faithful religious orders, by... Um, uh, putting prelates in in places where they have power over others uh, in the church, and they themselves are no longer Catholic. They believe uh, what is heretical. So it's it's a mystery, but it's what God has allowed. Um, but let me just say, Ursula, no one can force you or anybody to do what they don't believe, and so. If you won't get a religious exemption and you will be be forced to either take the shot or leave your job, leave your job, no matter what it is. You don't, if, if you agree to the vaccination, people have agreed, many grandparents have agreed because their children won't let them see their grandchildren and they blame it on that. You can't do that. Take responsibility for your choices. If you take the vaccine, your children haven't made you do that. You have decided to take the vaccine in order to continue to see your grandchildren. Um, the vaccine is pure evil. It's pure evil. And um, again, it's not a vaccine. It's a pathogen. Many, many good and doctors have spoken out on it and have warned everybody to not take that. It is, aside from being immoral, it is vile. It is destructive. Um, Okay, Um, we have an email from Corazon who says, Good morning, Mother. Please, for us, especially my sister Alicia, who has a huge lump on her breast, she's also... um, She's also unvaccinated and decided not to go for medical treatment of any kind. For now, she's doing herbal supplements and dieting. 
my sister was living in the Philippines, and I was planning to stay with her, only to find out about the progress of the mass or lump. I'm not vaccinated, and my entry would be denied. I need your advice, Corazon. Corazon, I personally, I can't tell you what to do. That's completely your choice. This is a moral issue, Um, and it's totally your choice. I would personally not take the vaccine. I would not give in to that evil. Um, From what I understand of the vaccine, you take that vaccine and you are on an awful path yourself to death. So um, I would not go to her. I I would want to urge your sister to get medical attention. Um, Many people have been cured by uh, the right kind of diet without question. That that has happened. Uh, I know of it many times. And that's all right, but it would be good for her to at least have a um, some form of ultrasound of her breast to see what's going on in there. Uh, often a lump, a mass can be removed very simply. If it hasn't spread, could even be benign. Um, and it, it could be um, helped greatly. Um, so I, I would want to urge her to at least get an ultrasound and see what's going on in there the, the best she can, or even a, a little, uh, what they call um, an exism, uh, just to draw a little fluid from a, an, an injection, just to see uh, if it's benign or not. I would do that. You can give her that advice. Um, if she chooses to go by diet, um, so be it. But personally, uh, Corazon, I would, I would not take the vaccine. You're on your own on that one. Um, we have a text from someone who writes in anonymously and says I apologize if you've already answered this question at some point how long does the promise of divine mercy Sunday last for that day until the time I sin one year thank you and God bless you anonymous yes it's it's that day it it's you if you follow all the prescriptions of Divine Mercy Sunday, and again, anyone who wants to know more, go to Divine Mercy, the one word, the divinemercy.org. Everything you need to know and wish to know is on that website. And if you follow all the prescriptions of Divine Mercy Sunday, which is the Sunday after Easter, you leave that church as a newborn babe, a newborn baptized baby. No sin on your soul. No temporal um, um, penances not paid. If you go to heaven that day and you fulfilled all those promises, you are, if you die that day, you are in heaven. But yes, it applies to that day. And if you uh, go out from the, the church from Divine Mercy Sunday and you commit sin, that counts. So it doesn't even last for the day. You go out a completely renewed, almost a reborn creature with no sin and no penalty on your soul. And people listen to this and say, Mother, you've got it wrong. That's incredible. Of course it's incredible. That's why God did it. He said, I, I through St. Faustina, I want to pour my, pour my mercy out on this world. I want them to know <clears throat> 
that no sin is greater than my mercy. I want them to know that mercy is my greatest attribute and is there for anybody who wants it. So yes, if we leave church on Divine Mercy Sunday as clean as a newborn baptized baby, um, free of sin, free of the temporal effects of sin, if we die that moment, we go straight to heaven. And if a half hour later we commit sin, then we have that sin on our soul and we need to do um, temporal uh, punishment for it and go to confession. You don't need to go to confession if it's venial, but I tell you, I don't have any venial sin on my soul for which I do not go to confession. I want the judgment of my sins to come from God through his priests. I don't trust the priest. I trust God to function through his priest. And so it doesn't matter what sin. If I'm not sure something's a sin, I take it into the confessional. We have an email from John, and John says, Hello, Mother. I've been away from the church for about 45 years. About two months ago, I had a health problem with my heart and was in the hospital, and I think God saved me, but I'm not sure. After I got out, things were different at home, so I went to my wife's priest and did a confession. What happens if there are some things you just cannot remember? Are they forgiven also, and how will I know? Dear John, yes, if you made a good and sincere confession to that priest and he absolved you for those sins, you should have been also uh, asked if you were sorry for all the other sins you can't remember and those were forgiven too. So what happens if there are some things you just can't remember? Through that confession, you are forgiven for them. But when you remember them, especially if they're mortals, would be counted as mortal sins. You go back to confession and to a priest and say, Father, I've, I've come back to the church after 45 years. I made my confession and I know I was forgiven and I asked forgiveness even for the sins I don't remember, but I've just remembered these and I'd like to confess them. So that's, that's a good thing to do, John. But if you don't remember them, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And how will you know? Simply by the priest. Simply by the priest. If you have said, these are all the sins I remember, I'm sorry for what I can't remember, or however, whatever language you use, and, or whatever language the priest used, um, you are forgiven them all. That's how you know. By the words of absolution. Um, I've said this before, but I could repeat it a million times. It's so beautiful. The priest that helped me into the church said that the priest does his most important work when he's not himself, when he's in the confessional. The priest, if we could see with our eyes what our faith would understand, whether we're across uh, the screen uh, or whether we're sitting face-to-face with him. Um, The priest, though he sounds like a man, looks like a man, is a man, um, when he says, I absolve you, Um, if our eyes again could see what our faith would understand, the priest does not exist. It is Christ, the high priest, who says, I absolve you through the instrumentality of the human priest. It is Christ who says, I absolve you. And you believe that you're absolved, that you are forgiven, and that's how you know. That's how you know for every single sin for those 45 years. The other issue is the Mass. 
when the priest says, this is my body, this is my blood, the priest isn't saying that. I heard one priest say that God obeys man. That's an awful, awful thing to say. God condescends to man. He doesn't obey man. That same priest who says the priest does his most important work when he's not himself applies to the mass. Because again, if we could see with our eyes what our faith understands, the priest doesn't exist. Christ is the high priest and Christ is the victim. And it is Christ who says to bread and wine, this is my body, this is my blood, through the altar Christus, through the instrument of his priest. But it is Christ speaking. And as at the Last Supper, when Jesus held unleavened bread in his hand and said, this is my body, bread obeys. And that happens through the priest, but by the words of Christ at every single Mass. And bread becomes God, and wine becomes God. We're in a magnificent church, dear one. John, welcome home, my dear brother, and um, live with all your heart, mind, soul, um, and uh, strength. Live for the God who brought you back home. We'll be right back. Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the stationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. There's no better way to start your day than by tuning in to hear real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. So men who can't quote-unquote control themselves or who can't remain chaste, even inside a marriage, need to look to St. Joseph and take him as a model. St. Joseph will give the grace to remain faithful and chaste to those who ask him. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment and... 
Uh, we have about 10 minutes, and that's long enough for you to call in if there's anything on your heart, dear ones. And the toll-free number <clears throat> is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email. You can text at that number as well, or email um, at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I'm looking at these emails, and some of them look um, quite old, and I, I that makes sense because we've needed to run so many encores. Hopefully, we're 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 free of those now. Um, okay, let me just uh, take the next one here. Um, Someone writes in anonymously and says, Mother, I was fired in November because I would not get the experimental injection known as the vaccine. As a result, I was not permitted to file for unemployment benefits. I depleted my savings and was forced into early retirement. Well, that's even a grace that you could take early retirement. I filed a complaint with the EEOC And the EEOC has told me to sue. I don't have any money for a lawyer. I cannot work in New York because I will not get the injection. Should I move on and try to sue? Thank you for your attention to this matter. Well, dear one, um, you would not be wrong to sue. You would not be wrong to sue. Um, I mentioned with a situation we had here in Beloit where we were voted out of the house that we put a huge amount of money into because of a um, couple of things that we were not made aware of and we were told we could sue, but I'm not about to sue. Um, I'm not going to sue Catholic to Catholic and I'm not going to come into a, a little town and sue them. So I made a decision that we will not sue. We'll just, we're trying to sell the house still beloved um, we've had a couple of offers on it, but it doesn't come anywhere near um, what we put into it. And, and we want to be responsible with our donor's money and, and receive that back for whatever our new house will be. And so uh, I will not sue. It's really scriptural that Catholics should not sue other Catholics, whatever, because it's a disgrace in front of the world of the gospel. But in the case of the EEOC, I would, if you can, sue them, but you have no money for a lawyer, so I don't know how you'll do that. Um, I think the the law must provide a way to sue them without your having an attorney. Uh, I I would pursue that if you could. But if you cannot work in New York because you won't get the injection, should you move on and try to sue, I would. If, if if I'm in New York and I cannot work and feed myself, let alone family or anyone else, I would move. If I could, I'd move while I still have car fare um, or something. Um, yes, I would do what you can to um, get out of your situation and find a job. I would do that. Um, I'm I'm going to guess, but I I don't know that I'm right. That there are mom and pop stores and organizations and. Um, Christian facilities, uh, Christian bookstores, other things that will probably hire you without the vaccine because they're also against it. Hobby Lobby, such as is an example, who I believe won their case against the government. So try to find a Christian organization that will hire you uh, just so that you can continue to have food and shelter um, or, or move if you can. Um, but if you have a way to sue without paying a lawyer, I would also do that. 
Okay, dear one. God bless you. Um, We have an email from someone again who writes in anonymously and says, Hello, Mother. My husband has become a sometimes Sunday Catholic. Well, without reading further in the email, dear one, your husband did not become Catholic. There is no such thing as a sometimes Sunday Catholic. It's better to be a pagan and go to church sometimes than be a Catholic and go to church some Sundays because that means you're in mortal sin and if you because you must know that to not go to church on Sunday is a mortal sin Uh, sin is mortal when you commit a grave offense not going to church on Sunday is a grave offense you're not hospitalized you're not on your deathbed you're not out in the wilderness where there's no church within hundreds of miles if, if you have a choice to get to a church and you're Catholic and you don't, that is a grave sin. And the other two factors must be that you uh, know that it's a grave sin, you know it, and then thirdly, you don't go, of your, you commit this sin and don't go of your own free will. Again, you're not hospitalized, there's not a gun in your back, all of that. That's a grave sin. And if he's become any Catholic at all, he knows that. <clears throat> So he's living in mortal sin, and if he goes some Sunday and receives the Eucharist, he is committing mortal sin on top of mortal sin. He must go to confession for not coming on Sunday before he can be restored and receive the Eucharist. So your husband is in um, in a very dangerous situation. She says, we were married in the Catholic Church, and he received an annulment to marry me. When I learned he was divorced after 20 months of marriage at a young age, I told him I would not marry him. He agreed uh, to an annulment and said he would raise the kids Catholic with me. He acted like a practicing Catholic initially. It, you know, it's hard to he acted. I would think that married people, you know, would, would the, the number one love of their heart in conversation would be all that God has done in forming his church and saving us and how we're going to raise the children and all of that. So uh, very difficult to say how someone can act like a Catholic and uh, that when you're married to that man and not understand the deception of his heart. She goes on to say, we've been married for almost 30 years. He still, and we still have a teenager in the house. He has drifted from the church and I have become more faithful. I've taught CCD for the past 20 years. I love it. He mocks my faith, my not getting vaccinated, etc., all in front of our children. I try not to nag him about faith, as you have advised. We are going if you want to join us, she says to him, and I leave it at that. If he doesn't come with us in the car, I say to the kids, please say a prayer for Dad at Mass. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> This past Sunday, my kids and I were away and went to Mass in a different town. I want very much to ask him if he wants to go to church. Well, now, you're not clear on this. I don't know if he's with you out of town. It's, you said your, your kids and you were away. I don't know where your husband is at this point. Um, I want very much to ask him if he wants to go to church. What do you advise? Do I just keep my mouth shut and continue to pray? At this point, I would. If he's mocking your faith after all of this, you've been respectful, all of that, I would just keep quiet about it. 
um, he tells me I'm pushing him further away from the church. No, you're not. His, his uh, sinful heart is what's pushing him away. He recently said this in front of a group of family members. He is arrogant, and he tells jokes about priests. I admonish him for telling jokes about priests and tell him I believe he will have hell to pay if he turns any of our children away from God. Our marriage has become very rocky over this topic. I need your help and advice, please. Thank you. You are in my prayers. Dear one, just live your faith like St. Monica lived hers. And read the book, um, Why I Became a Priest, uh, the life of Elizabeth Lesseur, whose husband mocked her faith and all of that. She lived her faith, kept a beautiful diary, and after she died, he read her diary. And it was the model of her faith without a word that led him to Christ. I would no longer say a single thing about um, your faith to your husband. Nothing. Stop inviting him to church, but become as holy and as loving as you possibly can. Uh, Be Christ in the home to him without another word and in front of your children and let God do the rest. God bless all of you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.